part two chapter four of a key to uncle tom's cabin by harriet beecher stowe this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana chapter four protective statutes apprentices protected outlawry melodrama of prue in the swamp harry the carpenter a romance of real life but the question now occurs are there not protective statutes the avowed object of which is the protection of life and limb of the slave we answer there are and these protective statutes are some of the most remarkable pieces of legislation extant that they were dictated by a spirit of humanity charity which hopeth all things would lead us to hope but no newspaper stories of bloody murders and shocking outrages convey to the mind so dreadful a picture of the numbness of public sentiment caused by slavery as these so-called protective statutes the author copies the following from the statutes of north carolina section three d of the act passed in seventeen ninety eight runs thus Quote, whereas by another act of the assembly passed in seventeen seventy four the killing of a slave however wanton cruel and deliberate is only punishable in the first instance by imprisonment and paying the value thereof to the owner which distinction of criminality between the murder of a white person and one who is equally a human creature but merely of a different complexion is disgraceful to humanity and degrading in the highest degree to the laws and principles of a free christian and enlightened country be it enacted etc that if any person shall hereafter be guilty of wilfully and maliciously killing a slave such offender shall upon the first conviction thereof be adjudged guilty of murder and shall suffer the same punishment as if he had killed a free man provided always this act shall not extend to the person killing a slave outlawed by virtue of any act of assembly of this state or to any slave in the act of resistance to his lawful owner or master or to any slave dying under moderate correction a law with a like proviso except the outlawry clause exists in tennessee see carruthers and nicholson's compilation eighteen thirty six page six seventy six the language of the constitution of georgia article four section twelve is as follows Quote, any person who shall maliciously dismember or deprive a slave of life shall suffer such punishment as would be inflicted in case the like offence had been committed on a free white person and on the like proof except in case of insurrection by the slave and unless such death should happen by accident in giving such slave moderate correction cobb's digest eighteen fifty one page eleven twenty five let now any englishman or new englander imagine that such laws with regard to apprentices had ever been proposed in parliament or state legislature under the head of protective acts laws which in so many words permit the killing of the subject in three cases and those comprising all the acts which would generally occur under the law namely if the slave resist if he be outlawed or if he die under moderate correction 
what rule in the world will ever prove correction immoderate if the fact that the subject dies under it is not held as proof how many such accidents would have to happen in old england or new england before parliament or legislature would hear from such a protective law but some one may ask what is the outlawry spoken of in this act the question is pertinent and must be answered the author has copied the following from the revised statutes of north carolina chapter one hundred and eleven section twenty two it may be remarked in passing that the preamble to this law presents rather a new view of slavery to those who have formed their ideas from certain pictures of blissful contentment and arcadian repose which have been much in vogue of late Quote, whereas many times slaves run away and be out hid and lurking in swamps woods and other obscure places killing cattle and hogs and committing other injuries to the inhabitants of this state in all such cases upon intelligence of any slave or slaves lying out as aforesaid any two justices of the peace for the county wherein such slave or slaves is or are supposed to lurk or do mischief shall and they are hereby empowered and required to issue proclamation against such slave or slaves reciting his or their names and the name or names of the owner or owners if known thereby requiring him or them and every of them forthwith to surrender him or themselves and also to empower and require the sheriff of said county to take such power with him as he shall think fit and necessary for going in search and pursuit of and effectually apprehending such outlying slave or slaves which proclamation shall be published at the door of the courthouse and at such other places as said justices shall direct and if any slave or slaves against whom proclamation hath been thus issued stay out and do not immediately return home it shall be lawful for any person or persons whatsoever to kill and destroy such slave or slaves by such ways and means as he shall think fit without accusation or impeachment of any crime for the same End quote. what ways and means have been thought fit in actual experience for the destruction of the slave what was done to the negro mackintosh in the streets of st louis in open daylight and endorsed at the next sitting of the supreme court of the state as transcending the sphere of law because it was quote, an act of the majority of her most respectable citizens End quote. this man was burned alive if these things are done in the green tree what will be done in the dry if these things have once been done in the open streets of st louis by a majority of her most respectable citizens what will be done in the lonely swamps of north carolina by men of the stamp of souther and legree this passage of the revised statutes of north carolina is more terribly suggestive to the imagination than any particulars into which the author of uncle tom's cabin has thought fit to enter let us suppose a little melodrama quite possible to have occurred under this act of the legislature suppose some luckless prue or peg as in the case we have just quoted in state versus man getting tired of the discipline of whipping breaks from the overseer clears the dogs and gets into the swamp and there lies out as the act above graphically says 
the act which we are considering says that many slaves do this and doubtless they have their own best reasons for it we all know what fascinating places to lie out in these southern swamps are what with alligators and moccasin snakes mud and water and poisonous vines one would be apt to think the situation not particularly eligible but still prue lies out there perhaps in the night some husband or brother goes to see her taking a hog or some animal of the plantation stock which he has ventured his life in killing that she may not perish with hunger master overseer walks up to master proprietor and reports the accident master proprietor mounts his horse and assembles to his aid two justices of the peace in the intervals between drinking brandy and smoking cigars a proclamation is duly drawn up summoning the contumacious prue to surrender and requiring sheriff of said county to take such power as he shall think fit to go in search and pursuit of said slave which proclamation for prue's further enlightenment is solemnly published at the door of the courthouse and at such other places as said justices shall direct footnote the old statute of seventeen forty one had some features still more edifying that provides that said proclamation shall be published on a sabbath day at the door of every church or chapel or for want of such at a place where divine service shall be performed in the said county by the parish clerk or reader immediately after divine service potter's revisal issue one sixty six what a peculiar appropriateness there must have been in this proclamation particularly after a sermon on the love of christ or an exposition of the text thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself and footnote let us suppose now that prue given over to hardness of heart and blindness of mind pays no attention to all these means of grace put forth to draw her to the protective shadow of the patriarchal roof suppose further as a final effort of long-suffering and to leave her utterly without excuse the worthy magistrate rides forth in full force man horse dog and gun to the very verge of the swamp and there proclaims aloud the merciful mandate suppose that hearing the yelping of the dogs and the proclamation of the sheriff mingled together and the shouts of loker mark sambo and quimbo and other such posse black and white as a sheriff can generally summon on such a hunt this very ignorant and contumacious prue only runs deeper into the swamp and continues obstinately lying out as aforesaid now she is by act of the assembly outlawed and in the astounding words of the act quote, it shall be lawful for any person or persons whatsoever to kill and destroy her by such ways and means as he shall think fit without accusation or impeachment of any crime for the same End quote. what awful possibilities rise to the imagination under the fearfully suggestive clause by such ways and means as he shall think fit such ways and means as any man shall think fit of any character of any degree of fiendish barbarity such a permission to kill even a dog by any ways and means which anybody should think fit never ought to stand on the law-books of a christian nation 
and yet this stands against one bearing the same humanity which jesus christ bore against one perhaps who though blinded darkened and ignorant he will not be ashamed to own when he shall come in the glory of his father and all his holy angels with him that this law has not been a dead letter there is sufficient proof in eighteen thirty six the following proclamation and advertisement appeared in the new Bern, north carolina spectator Quote, state of north carolina lenoir county whereas complaint hath been this day made to us two of the justices of the peace for the said county by william d cobb of jones county that two negro slaves belonging to him named ben commonly known by the name of ben fox and rigdon have absented themselves from their said master's service and are lurking about in the counties of lenoir and jones committing acts of felony these are in the name of the state to command the said slaves forthwith to surrender themselves and turn home to their said master and we do hereby also require the sheriff of said county of lenoir to make diligent search and pursuit after the above-mentioned slaves and we do hereby by virtue of an act of assembly of this state concerning servants and slaves intimate and declare if the said slaves do not surrender themselves and return home to their master immediately after the publication of these presents that any person may kill or destroy said slaves by such means as he or they think fit without accusation or impeachment of any crime or offence for so doing or without incurring any penalty or forfeiture thereby given under our hands and seals this twelfth of november eighteen thirty six b coleman justice of the peace jasper jones justice of the peace two hundred dollar reward ran away from the subscriber about three years ago a certain negro man named ben commonly known by the name ben fox also one other negro by the name of rigdon who ran away on the eighth of this month i will give a reward of one hundred dollars for each of the above negroes to be delivered to me or confined in the jail of lenoir or jones county or for the killing of them so that i can see them november twelfth eighteen thirty six w d cobb end quote. that this act was not a dead letter also was plainly implied in the protective act first quoted if slaves were not as a matter of fact ever outlawed why does the act formally recognize such a class quote, provided that this act shall not extend to the killing of any slave outlawed by any act of the assembly end quote. this language sufficiently indicates the existence of the custom further than this the statute book of eighteen twenty one contained two acts the first of which provides that all masters in certain counties who have had slaves killed in consequence of outlawry shall have a claim on the treasury of the state for their value unless cruel treatment of the slave be proved on the part of the master the second act extends the benefits of the latter provision to all the counties in the state footnote potter's revisal chapter four sixty seven two 
be it further enacted that when any slave shall be legally outlawed in any of the counties within mentioned the owner of which shall reside in one of the said counties and the said slave shall be killed in consequence of such outlawry the value of such slave shall be ascertained by a jury which shall be impaneled at the succeeding court of the county where the said slave was killed and a certificate of such valuation shall be given by the clerk of the court to the owner of said slave who shall be entitled to receive two-thirds of such valuation from the sheriff of the county wherein the slave was killed brackets extended to other counties in seventeen ninety seven potter chapter four eighty one now obsolete and footnote finally there is evidence that this act of outlawry was executed so recently as the year eighteen fifty the year in which uncle tom's cabin was written see the following from the wilmington journal of december thirteenth eighteen fifty quote, state of north carolina new hanover county whereas complaint upon oath hath this day been made to us two of the justices of the peace for the said state and county aforesaid by guilford horn of edgecombe county that a certain male slave belonging to him named harry a carpenter by trade about forty years old five feet five inches high or thereabouts yellow complexion stout built with a scar on his left leg from the cut of an axe has very thick lips eyes deep sunk in his head forehead very square tolerably loud voice has lost one or two of his upper teeth and has a very dark spot on his jaw supposed to be a mark hath absented himself from his master's service and is supposed to be lurking about in this county committing acts of felony or other misdeeds these are therefore in the name of the state aforesaid to command the said slave forthwith to surrender himself and return home to his said master and we do hereby by virtue of the act of assembly in such cases made and provided intimate and declare that if the said slave harry doth not surrender himself and return home immediately after the publication of these presents that any person or persons may kill and destroy the said slave by such means as he or they may think fit without accusation or impeachment of any crime or offence for so doing and without incurring any penalty or forfeiture thereby given under our hands and seals this twenty ninth day of june eighteen fifty james t miller justice of the peace w c betancourt justice of the peace one hundred and twenty five dollars reward will be paid for the delivery of the said harry to me at tasnot depot edgecombe county or for his confinement in any jail in the state so that i can get him or one hundred and fifty dollars will be given for his head he was lately heard from in newburn where he called himself henry barnes or burns and will be likely to continue the same name or assume that of copage or farmer he has a free mulatto woman for a wife by the name of sally bozeman who has lately removed to wilmington and lives in that part of the town called texas where he will likely be lurking masters of vessels are particularly cautioned against harboring or concealing the said negro on board their vessels as the full penalty of the law will be rigorously enforced june twenty ninth eighteen fifty guilford horn there is an inkling of history and romance about the description of this same harry who is thus publicly set up to be killed in any way that any of the negro hunters of the swamps may think the most piquant and enlivening 
it seems he is a carpenter a powerfully made man whose thews and sinnows might be a profitable acquisition to himself it appears also that he has a wife and the advertiser intimates that possibly he may be caught prowling about somewhere in her vicinity this indicates sagacity in the writer certainly married men generally have a way of liking the society of their wives and it strikes us from what we know of the nature of carpenters here in new england that harry was not peculiar in this respect let us further notice the portrait of harry eyes deep sunk in his head forehead very square this picture reminds us of what a persecuting old ecclesiastic once said in the days of the port royalists of a certain truculent abbess who stood obstinately to a certain course in the face of the whole power temporal and spiritual of the romish church in spite of fining imprisoning starving whipping beating and other enlightening argumentative processes not wholly peculiar it seems to that age you will never subdue that woman said the ecclesiastic who was a phrenologist before his age she's got a square head and i have always noticed that people with square heads can never be turned out of their course we think it very probable that harry with his square head is just one of this sort he is probably one of those articles which would be extremely valuable if the owner could only get the use of him his head is well enough but he will use it for himself it is of no use to any one but the wearer and the master seems to symbolize this state of things by offering twenty-five dollars more for the head without the body than he is willing to give for the head man and all poor harry we wonder whether they have caught him yet or whether the impenetrable thickets the poisonous miasma the deadly snakes and the unwieldy alligators of the swamps more humane than the slave-hunter have interposed their uncouth and loathsome forms to guard the only fastness in carolina where a slave can live in freedom it is not then in mere poetic fiction that the humane and graceful pen of longfellow has drawn the following picture in the dark fens of the dismal swamp the hunted negro lay he saw the fire of the midnight camp and heard at times the horses tramp and the bloodhounds distant bay where will-o'-the-wisps and glow-worms shine in bulrush and in brake where waving mosses shroud the pine and cedars grow and the poisonous vine is spotted like the snake where hardly a human foot could pass or a human heart would dare on the quaking turf of the green morass he crouched in the rank and tangled grass like a wild beast in his lair a poor old slave infirm and lame great scars deformed his face on his forehead he bore the brand of shame and the rags that hid his mangled frame were the livery of disgrace all things above were bright and fair all things were glad and free lithe squirrels darted here and there and wild birds filled the echoing air with songs of liberty on him alone was the doom of pain from the morning of his birth on him alone the curse of cain fell like the flail on the garnered grain and struck him to the earth footnote the cain reference is from genesis four fourteen and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me and footnote 
the civilized world may and will ask in what state this law has been drawn and passed and revised and allowed to appear at the present day on the revised statute book and to be executed in the year of our lord eighteen fifty as the above cited extracts from its most respectable journals show is this some heathen cardish tribe some nest of pirates some horde of barbarians where destructive gods are worshipped and libations to their honour poured from human skulls the civilized world will not believe it but it is actually a fact that this law has been made and is still kept in force by men in every other respect than what relates to the slave code as high-minded as enlightened as humane as any men in christendom by citizens of a state which glories in the blood and hereditary christian institutions of scotland curiosity to know what sort of men the legislators of north carolina might be led the writer to examine with some attention the proceedings and debates of the convention of that state called to amend its constitution which assembled at raleigh june fourth eighteen thirty five it is but justice to say that in these proceedings in which all the different and perhaps conflicting interests of the various parts of the state were discussed there was an exhibition of candor fairness and moderation of gentlemanly honor and courtesy in the treatment of opposing claims and of an overruling sense of the obligations of law and religion which certainly have not always been equally conspicuous in the proceedings of deliberative bodies in such cases it simply goes to show that one can judge nothing of the religion or of the humanity of individuals from what seems to us objectionable practice where they have been educated under a system entirely incompatible with both such is the very equivocal character of what we call virtue it could not be for a moment supposed that such men as judge ruffin or many of the gentlemen who figure in the debates alluded to would ever think of availing themselves of the savage permissions of such a law but what then it follows that the law is a direct permission letting loose upon the defenceless slave that class of men who exist in every community who have no conscience no honor no shame who are too far below public opinion to be restrained by that and from whom accordingly this provision of the law takes away the only available restraint of their fiendish natures such men are not peculiar to the south it is unhappily too notorious that they exist everywhere in england in new england and the world over but they can only arrive at full maturity in wickedness under a system where the law clothes them with absolute and irresponsible power end of part two chapter four protective statutes